Here's my heart, Lord. You are strong. You are sure. You are life. You endure. You are good. Always true. You are light breaking through. Oh, here's my heart, Lord. As I'm thinking about those lyrics and just the impact of this song, this powerful song and and this giving of our hearts to the Lord and trusting Him, I couldn't help but think about my mom as, as today we celebrate Mother's Day and just thinking how she was strong and she was sure and how I saw the reflection of Jesus in her life and the qualities of Christ um, shining through her. And as many of you know, uh, a little over a year ago, my mom went to be with the Lord. And, um, you know, I know for many of us today, it's an awesome day, it's an exciting day, but it also can be a challenging day. And so I want you to know that uh, we love you, God loves you. And no matter what you're going through today, we can be happy, we can have joy, because our joy is not in our circumstances, but it's in the Lord. You know, as I was thinking about my mom and just uh, missing her today and thinking about um, all the things she's meant to me and, and all the moms in my life, um, the one thing I really miss about my mom is, is those times of laughter, those good times at the house, those fun times we had together. My mom was such a kind person and a loving person, and it was just a joy to be around her, and she would bring us together as a family and really was the glue that held us together in many ways. And... Uh, you know, I think for all of us, that's the kind of relationships we want to have. We want to have happy relationships. We want to have positive relationships. And during this time of quarantine, this time of, of being at our homes and, and being with our families, I think um, can also bring about a lot of challenges. And, and, and I think of, you know, relationships can be like gardens. Um, they, can be, they can be really healthy at times. Um, but if you don't prioritize them, if you don't put effort into it, uh, very quickly weeds can grow up and overtake it. And, and it's so important for us to value relationships and to be engaged in relationships because of that. And so today as we look to God's word and, and we ask him to speak to us, and, and I ask that he speaks to you directly. As we ask this question, as we look into James, how can we have healthy relationships in a time of quarantine? How can we have uh, healthy, growing relationships with the people in our lives and, and the people that uh, we interact with during this time of quarantine and, and just seeing what does James give us as some principles and some tools for us to do that. And so as we look to God's word and we ask him to speak to us, let's precede his word with prayer and ask him um, to teach us some new things and to guide our hearts. So let's pray together. Father God, you are worthy of all of our praise, and Lord, you are awesome, and you are a good father. And today, as we, as we celebrate moms, and, and we think about the impact of moms in our lives, and, and in the world, and in history, and just um, this important position of, of mothering, and being a mother, what an amazing thing. But Lord, we also think about relationships, we think about our family, we think about our friends, we think about all those relationships we have. And we know that you created us to be in relationship with you and to be in relationship with each other and for that to be healthy and that to be thriving. And so, Lord, we ask you today, um, as we come to this place of looking to your word together, as we worship you by, by learning and growing, we ask that you would speak to us, that you would show us truth, and Lord, that you would help us to understand um, how we can live in light of your truth, knowing that you call us 
to value each other, to place a high value on the people of this world because you died for them. You paid for their sin. And Lord, you love us and, and we want to live into that truth today. Lord, help us as we search your word, as we study it now, guide our minds and our thoughts in Jesus' name, amen. Well, if you're joining us for the first time, I'm so glad you decided to join us online today. Uh, we've been going through a study of James. You can go back and check all those out at gaten.church/media. Um, we gather large during this time to, to study together, and then we circle up and, and, and um, we come together in small groups where we, where we talk about this information and we allow uh, discussion to lead us to deeper truths. And so we're looking at James chapter 2 today, uh, verses 1 through 9, and it's interesting. I was thinking about how James is, is probably the most overshadowed person in his family, if you think about it. Um, I was... It, <laughs> As I was thinking about it, um, Jesus is uh, celebrated uh, by his birthday on Christmas. Um, he is celebrated at New Year's. Everyone says, this is the man that all time is to be determined by. So James's brother is the reason for our, our date. Um, Jesus's brother is, is celebrated on Easter with the death and resurrection. And then his mother, Mary, who's the most famous mother of all, is celebrated on Mother's Day. And I can't help but think that, that is, those are big shoes to fill. Um, I wonder if, if Mary and Joseph ever said to James, James, uh, why can't you be more like Jesus? Why can't you be more like your big brother? And, and I can see that that would be overwhelming and challenging for him. And, and that's the beauty of the fact that now he comes around and he's leading a church and he's sharing this truth with people and he's living this out in his own life. And so as we look to James, just recognizing that, that he had such a unique view of this. He had such a unique perspective. And he's giving us some great insight here as we continue in James chapter 2. Verse 1, it says, My brothers and sisters, believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ, must not show favoritism. And so he begins by saying favoritism um, is, is something we need to avoid. And I can't help but also think here, it must have been difficult for Mary not to show favoritism because one of her children is the savior of the world. And, and so this idea of favoritism, why is, why is James um, bringing this to our attention? How, what does it have to do with our relationships? And so he continues in verse 2, it says, Suppose a man comes into a meeting wearing a gold ring and fine clothes. And a poor man in filthy old clothes also comes in. If you show special attention to the man wearing fine clothes and say, here's a good seat for you, but you say to the poor man, you must stand there or sit on the floor by my feet. Have you not discriminated amongst yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, my dear brothers and sisters, has not God chosen those who are poor in the eyes of the world to be rich in faith and to inherit the kingdom he has promised for those he, who love him. And so James is saying, look, um, you've got to be so careful because this is how the world operates. And I think the same principles uh, are true today, that the world judges people by their finances, uh, by uh, their influence or power, and, and by their appearance. That, 
that uh, status is built by how much money you have or how much stuff you have or your authority uh, in your workplace or position or, or, how, you are, or how you look physically. And, and these are the things the world looks at and, and says, this is worth value. These are the people we're going to give special attention to. We're going to show special respect to these people. And the, and the opposite is true. Those who don't have these attributes, those that don't have these, and these things as part of who they are, uh, they are lowly. And we lose value in them and we set them aside and we judge them. And it's interesting that James says um, that there's a sense that there's a, 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 an evil thought that comes along with this judgment. And so healthy relationships value people because God values people. You see, the difference between how the world judges and how God judges is God judges and he looks at us and he values all of us. And he says, um, if you're willing to receive me, if you're willing to follow me, I will, uh, you will, you'll inherit my family. You will be part of me. I don't care how rich, poor. I don't care how successful, unsuccessful. I don't care how you look on the outside. I don't care what, what challenges you have in life. You are accepted in and I value you and, and you are uh, adopted into my family. And so favoritism, it undermines that. And favoritism, um, it doesn't work because here's the problem. And favoritism for the rich man um, in this scenario, they're supporting those things. And so the rich man believes his value comes from his wealth. And, and, and for those who even have wealth, none of them want to be valued, uh, only have value because of their wealth. Um, many people who have wealth actually don't want people to know they have it because they don't want to be valued just for what they have. They want to be valued for who they are. And so when we value people or we put them on pedestals because of their wealth or their power or their, their physique or their, um, their beauty, we're actually undervaluing them. We're actually undercutting them. And then in, in the same way, uh, favoritism doesn't work because we devalue someone. We say someone isn't worthy. We say someone isn't of any value or lesser value. And so favoritism in its essence isn't effective. And then the person that's showing the favoritism is showing their selfishness because they're desiring to get something from that person and they're desiring to avoid this person or to de demean or devalue this person who doesn't live up to that standard. And that's the world we live in. I mean, many of us could give accounts of how we've seen this play out in true life, in real life, uh, on our day-to-day -day basis. And so he continues on, he says... If you really keep the royal law found in scripture, love your neighbor as yourself, you are doing right. But if you show favoritism, you sin and are convicted by the law as a lawbreaker. And so the law of love does not allow for favoritism. When he's talking about this law, he's talking about God's law where he says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. That, that law does not allow for favoritism. Why? Because favoritism devalues a human. Favoritism undercuts and actually does not profit or bring any kind of benefit to the people around us. And so how does this live into our relationships? As, as I began, I, the question of uh, how do we have healthy, how can we have healthy relationships in a time of quarantine? How does this relate to that? Well, I believe every relationship either grows or dies based on what value we give to each other. You see, the problem is if the world is full of people who are only looking out for themselves and only value based on these certain criteria, then the world becomes selfish and self-destructive. 
But if the world lives the way that, that God is offering us, this way of, of loving your neighbor as yourself, of, of caring about people and valuing every human, then every human has value and every human has dignity and every human has a, a place to belong. And that begins even at your home. That begins in your relationships, your closest relationships. Sometimes our closest relationships are the most challenging relationships for us to truly value the way God wants us to. And so as we look at this passage, I think there's a bigger picture than just discriminating against the poor person or discriminating against someone that doesn't live into our standards. I think it's, it's saying, how do we value other humans? And so that begins with all the relationships in your life. And so I want to give you three tools that I believe James is sharing with us through this passage that will help you and help us in our relationship. It will help us to have healthy relationships during this time of quarantine. The first thing that I think would be very helpful is for any situation, whatever it is, whatever's irritating you, whatever's getting on your nerves, whatever that, that thought of, of anger is coming towards another pe person, ask this question. What would I want me to do? Let me say that one more time. What would I want me to do? And so if, if I was them, if I was them, if I was the person that's, that's aggravating you, that's getting on your nerves, can I, can I see it from their perspective? Can I have empathy for them? Can I ask myself the question, what would I want me to do? Would I want me to get angry? Would I want me to attack? Would I want me to say, you always do that or you never do this? Would I want me to think the worst? Would I want me to undermine or undercut? What would truly bring healing to the relationship? What would truly bring peace to the relationship? What would truly bring um, a sense of, of joy in the relationship? And I think if we can consider what we would do if we were the other person, what would we want us to do? What, how would we want us to react? What would bring about the best solution? And living on that, the, the question I think would be extremely helpful for us is, am I thinking the best or worst of them? Am I thinking the best or worst of them? In this scenario that James gives us, um, the worst case scenario is he, or the worst uh, approach is that he's saying this person has no value and this other person has great value. Am I thinking the best of this person? Are you thinking the best? And if you're not thinking the best of them, if you're not filling in the gaps of what you don't know with a positive, why are we doing that? Why would we want to think the worst of the people in our lives or the people that are around us or the people that we interact with? What benefit is there for us to fill in those blanks that we don't really know, whether they're motives or, or challenges, with negatives? And then the third, will I forgive them? Will you forgive them? It's interesting that Jesus, when he teaches us to pray, the model prayer that he says every single time you pray this, it's important for you to remind yourself that forgive me my trespasses or forgive me my sins as I forgive those who trespass against me, as I forgive those who have sinned against me. That every day I'm to be reminded, I'm be, to be reminded of the grace that God has forgiven me. And I am to forgive at the same level which he has forgiven me. Am I willing to forgive or will I hold on to that bitterness? Will I hold on to that anger? Will I hold on to what in reality is a devaluing of that person? 
Because what we do when we get bitter, what we do when we get angry is we take the value of that person and we, and we strip them of that and we undercut them and, and we, we, we place upon them the same thing that this, this group of people are doing at this meeting. We're saying, you are not worthy. You are not important. You are not valuable. And because of that, I am okay to treat you this way. And I think James is teaching here, he's saying, if you want to follow the, the law of love, and if you want to live in this relationship with God that he's called us to live in, then it begins with our motives. It begins with forgiveness. It begins with empathy and saying, um, I need to love them the way I want to be loved. I want to treat them the way I want to be treated. And so as, as we look at this very um, powerful scenario, this very powerful scripture of, of dealing with relationships, how we deal with people, it really boils down to um, people respond when they're valued. People respond in a great way when you value them and you respect them and, and you show kindness to them and, and, and you encourage them. People also respond when you undervalue them and, and you show favoritism and, and you don't show them the value that God wants you to show them. And so the, the, the takeaway, the next step, the thing that I think would be so beneficial for us is to ask God to help us to value every person in our life, every person that we'll ever meet, that we'll ever know. I believe that's one of the things that Jesus expects of all of his followers. He expects us to love people the way he loved people. And he valued people. Today, right now, what is God saying to you? What is he speaking to your heart? What is he challenging within you? Is he calling you to ask for forgiveness? Is he calling you to give forgiveness? Is he calling you to value someone you know you probably haven't been valuing appropriately? That's the next step. As we celebrate mothers today and we celebrate um, the joy of family and laughter and hope, that is all built when we value each other. Those things are, uh, they come about because we love and value each other. And that's something we have to be intentional about. That's something that we have to be committed to. And so as we um, consider all of these things and as God speaks to your heart, what will you do? James is very clear in, his, in, in the first and second chapter here that, that we can learn these things. We can learn how important it is to value people and how important it is to forgive people and how important it is to think the best of people. But if we don't do it, then, then it's worthless. It, it has no value. We need to do it. We need to live it out. So would you make that commitment? Would you make that commitment to do um, what Jesus has called us to do when he asks us to love our neighbor as ourself, that we would put emphasis on that, that we would be intentional today and tomorrow, that we would remind ourselves that I need to value the people in my life. I need to treat them as the way I want to be treated. I need to increase their value, not decrease their value on a daily basis. And I'm telling you, what would it look like? What would it look like if the church lived like this? What would it look like if we that claim to follow Christ began to value people more and more every day? How would that impact the world? How would that impact your family? How would that impact um, your job or your school as we return into these things, return to these places? What impact would that make? Because we're in this together and, and we're partnering during this time and, and we're working together. 
to serve the Lord together. And that's where you're valued and, and it's important for us to connect like this. And we can't do any of this. We can't do any of this without your support, without your commitment, without you valuing what we're doing here, without you valuing this church and, and valuing uh, how God is moving here. And so now as we come to our final song, as we come to a, a time of worshiping God, uh, we want to worship through singing and we also want to worship through our generosity. If you're, if you're just checking us out or you're just um, watching this because you were invited to watch this, um, we, we don't expect you to give. But if you're part of our family, this is a part of our worship, is to be generous and to give. And I'm so grateful for the generosity of this church. But as we sing, that you would speak to God and ask him, what would you have me give? How can I be faithful? How can I value what you're doing? How can I value your kingdom work? So as we sing, there'll be a place where um, you can go on our website, gaten.church slash give. But this is an important moment. These are important times. And I believe if we can commit to valuing, valuing each other more and more each day, the world will begin to see the value of following Christ. Would you commit to that? Would you follow that? Would you put your faith and trust in that today? Let's sing together.